in many ways the whole of meditation practice, the deepening skill in inclining our attention, the deepening recognition of what's happening, the settling of body and nervous system and mental activity, the uh, meeting and exploring and digesting and resolving of various emotional contractions and history. In many ways, all of that is just the process (coughs) of learning to be here. To be here more fully. To be here more fluidly. To be here more freely. And a certain irony maybe to that in as much as we're already here. And sometimes we might just suddenly notice or taste or wake up to the fact that we're already here. That everything is here. That we don't have to go anywhere, do anything, get rid of anything, make anything happen in order to be here. In fact, everything, all of our experience is constantly just showing us the hereness of all things. Even the thoughts about some other moment, some other place, some other experience, the thoughts that we say, take me away into memory, take me away into fantasy, take me away into anxiety, take me away into regret. Where do those thoughts happen? They don't happen off in the past somewhere. They don't happen away in the future. They happen here. Here is where everything happens. Here is where all experience is met. So we start here. And then we practice being here. And then we find out, sometimes gradually, sometimes progressively, sometimes suddenly, that we're here. So we start here, we practice here, and we end up here. Here we are. And then interesting, 
fascinating, comic, and sometimes a bit tragic. How much our investment and belief in various kinds of um, emotional reactivity and um, thought production compels us towards a sense of elsewhere. A sense of how much we can be giving energy and attention and um, belief and desire to some other moment, some other place. Even though we can kind of feel in that moment how much, the more I invest in a, a vision and a hope and a, and a contraction around the idea of something else, somewhere else, someone else, the more I reinforce some sense of struggle with this moment, dissatisfaction with this moment, the more I increase the sense of here isn't worth paying attention to. What I really want is there. And it can be the, you know, a geographical there, that place where I was, or that place where I'd like to be. It can be an emotional there. Right? Oh, if only I felt more something or other. It can be a mental there, right? Trying to get to some place called calm mind, or still mind, or empty mind, or happy mind. And so we create and reinforce and believe in a sense of there, which which um, sort of covers over our uh, our capacity to be here, which covers over our the love of being here. Sometimes. We're, we're far away in a, in a very distant sense of there. Imagining, as I say, different places or different moments, different experiences, different people. Imagining ourselves in different ways. Far away in the past. Far away in the future. Well, sometimes... In the prep, in the uh, not so much caught in present or uh, not so much caught in future or past, but caught in the present, caught in a lot of thinking about what's happening and analyzing what's happening, reacting to what's happening, and creating friction with. What's happening? Sometimes in meditation world, one hears a lot about the present moment, the present moment, the present moment. 
just got to be in the present moment. But one can make just as much of a mess with the present moment as one can make with future or past. One can get just as caught up in and reactive to present moment as one can with future or past. You know, it's in these kind of, you know, certain intense sort of conditions for meditation practice, and certainly the first couple of days, there can be quite some bodily discomfort. Right? You tend to be very present. Right? Very in the present moment. If legs are really hot or back is really sore, you don't space off to somewhere else. No, it's oh my, right here, right here, legs, 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 legs. So just the fact that we might be connected to what's happening in the present moment is itself no measure of being here fully, fluidly, freely. In the same way, it may be that we're giving attention to something connected to a sense of future or sense of past. It's actually very important for us to be able to plan. It's very important for us to be able to remember. So where the mind goes to something that we call (coughs) present or past or future isn't so important. What's important is whether is the the meeting and understanding whatever reactivity may be there. Whatever way we're doing something to our sense of time and place reality that creates that friction that that we can recognize as being unfree in some way and this main resource we have for kind of um, for grounding our attention in the fundamental here-ness of experience, its breathing body. Breathing body gives an easier access, a more reliable access, a more tangible access to here-ness. Just this breathing's happening here. Bodily sensations are happening here. Right? In the sensations, in this alive, visceral, uh, sensory experience, no, no ideas are made of past or present or future. Ideas are made by the thought life that interprets experience. And the thought life can be met and explored directly by itself. But we need a certain steadiness for that. Otherwise we don't explore the thoughts, we're just caught in them, seduced by them, believing them. So first, breathing body, breathing body breathing body, the first 
foundation, the ground of the Satipatthana. And that's what we've been doing, right? establishing that ground and re-establishing that ground and re-establishing that ground. And like we said, in the terms of the process of meditation, right? it's not to measure how much we're established, how much, what percentage of time awareness is at rest in breathing body versus how much time mind is caught up in this and that. Because there's this process of oh, recognizing, releasing, returning, which we spoke about yesterday. And yet, whatever the, that sort of time ratio is, there is certainly an increased sensitivity to uh, cellular life, bodily life. an increased capacity built up over these days to sense your experience from the inside. Sometimes we don't notice that increased sensitivity so much because as our capacity for awareness actually gets brighter and clearer, not only can we sense more into our experience, but we're also more aware of mind's activities. We're more aware than usual of what mind is doing, where mind is going. So sometimes we'll even have the impression, oh my God, since I started meditating, or since I got on retreat, my mind's really gone crazy. Right? And sometimes people will say, I'm thinking much more than usual. Highly doubtful. Actually, it's more like the volume of awareness, the brightness of awareness is turned up more than usual. So we see that. We see those movements of mind more, more often, more keenly than we might otherwise. And maybe just now, right, in the listening, Maybe there's the listening from this breathing body. This capacity we develop to actually listen with the whole of ourselves rather than just listening with our ears and listening with our uh, interpretive mind. Listening with ourselves. Écouter avec nos cellules. Is that? Je t'ai vu écrire. Okay. He's just writing his memoirs. There. <laughs> Listening with the cells. And then we're listening to the what we've called the natural intelligence of bodily life listening to the natural tide 
wave, current, rhythm of breathing body. You also start to be able to really listen to the different affect, the different impacts of experience. There's these these three flavors of experience. Pleasant experience, unpleasant experience, and neutral experience. And we start to be able to actually investigate the impact. We don't know how things are going to impact. We spent the morning meditation listening to... uh, I don't know how that impacted. For some, maybe it impacted pleasantly. Oh, how lovely for that furry creature that they found a nice little home in the meditation hall. Think of the blessings they're getting by living in a Dharma hall. Oh. I had a few seconds of that. (laughs) Maybe it impacts that neutrally. It just just feels like, oh, sound. And the sound, one sound kind of contrasts or blends with another sound. Sound of the water, sound of breath, sound of birds. It's just this kind of not, not, not much of a feeling impact. Or maybe it acts, impacts unpleasantly. Maybe just that the sound has a kind of um, unpleasant feel to it. And if so, what do we do? That's what we get to see when we listen to experience. What do you do? What do we do? with pleasant experience? What do we do with unpleasant experience? Which really means, to use the language of last night, what kinds of tension and drama do we make out of the pleasant, particularly, and the unpleasant? Usually the, ten- the tension and drama that we make out of the pleasant is kind of getting carried away. With, oh yes, have a pleasant meditation. Oh yes, now I'm really getting it. I think I'm going to become a superstar meditator. <laughs> we have a pleasant lunch, and then we get carried away. Oh, that's so good. I think I'll have some more. And there's still some there. I might as well have thirds. Right? And then, oh, I got carried away. What's the tension and drama we make out of the unpleasant? The hard luck stories we tell ourselves. The seeking around for someone to blame for the unpleasantness. Blaming the whatever it was there this morning. The dormouse probably. Loire. Doesn't it have any respect for meditation? Right? Or blaming, you know, somebody blaming the Mulan. Maybe, can't they keep the animals out of the meditation? (laughs) 
when one starts to really listen with the cells to what's happening, one finds everything is one's teacher. Everything, every experience, pleasant or unpleasant or neutral, can show us something about ourselves. Shows us our habits, shows us our reactivity, or shows us our freeness. A neutral experience. What do we do with neutral experience? Most of what we do with neutral experience is we don't notice it because it's neutral. Often the examples that I give is feel your elbows now. Yeah, so what? I can feel my elbows now. Exactly. Neutral. I can feel it, but there's no, there's no interest there. Interest goes the more there's some charge. So if something pleasant happens, awareness goes there, interest goes there. Something unpleasant happens, attention goes there, um, interest goes there. When something neutral happens, attention doesn't tend to go there. And therefore, interest doesn't go there. And therefore, interest tends to roam around looking for something more pleasant or more unpleasant. Our attention's easily held by something that's impactful. Attention may be easily held by the sound of the rat. Oh, not rat, dormice, dormouse, definitely a dormouse. And the more we experience something pleasantly or unpleasantly, the more attention and interest we put there. If we go to a movie, right, there's a lot of impact. Right? Sometimes pleasant, adventure, fun, excitement, romance. Sometimes unpleasant, death, disaster, tragedy, drama. And we sit there for two hours. Oh, 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 oh. Right? Something like that. I don't know how you watch a movie, but... And then meditation is kind of similar to watching a movie. You're just sitting there, do two hours. If we can sit in front of a movie for two hours, let's sit here for two hours. Oh, oh, not so interesting. The movie of breath. Imagine movie, Mulan Productions presents the breath. Two hours. And yet, what we've been calling, you know, listening with ourselves, coming into breathing body, and using a relatively subtle object, a relatively neutral object, just breathing body. What we do, we kind of attune our sensitivity. We let our attention sort of decondition a little bit from needing so much stimulation in order to be connected. And so the connection with experience becomes more subtle, more open, more, um, more clear.
We cultivate qualities of a certain steadiness, a certain clarity, and increasingly we cultivate this capacity of a certain spaciousness, being able to make room for the arising of something pleasant and the passing of that pleasantness, the arising of something unpleasant and the passing of that unpleasantness. We start to develop what we might call a kind of deep patience, kind of open patience. And interestingly, that patience or that spaciousness itself has a kind of deep pleasure to it. A pleasure that isn't born of some pleasant sensory object or pleasant mental object. Something that I like or that I'm getting or that I'm consuming in some way. Actually, it's the pleasure born of being willing to open to experience in its pleasantness or in its unpleasantness. Being able to kind of, um, yeah, to make room for life. So, as this, um, as one's practice keeps coming back to this cellular listening, as sensitivity deepens in that way, we have the opportunity to be interested in just however life is touching us moment by moment, however experience is touching us. We have the opportunity to get to know the affect of the pleasant physically, emotionally, etc. To get to know the, the <clears throat> impact of the unpleasant. And get to study our, our habits of meeting or reacting to those things. We get to see our mind in action open mind or not or or greedy mind in the face of the pleasant sometimes or judgmental mind resistant mind rejecting mind in the face of the unpleasant sometimes or bored mind Restless mind, uh, wandering mind, in the face of the neutral, sometimes. Grounded in our body, studying our mind. Present right here, letting life impact be felt, cared for, responded to. It's like this then, that we practice together. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.com dot org slash donate